I'm going to be reading from uh, Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, it finally happened this week. I had been waiting for over two and a half years, ever since we moved back to Edmonton. Oh, I knew it was available because I would visit some of you and I would see it, maybe lying on your front step or just inside the door. I'll admit it, I was a little envious. Sometimes I'd even build up enough courage to ask, do you need those? Because if you don't, I'll take them. That's right. This week I got my very own bag of Flyer Force flyers. You see, up until now, I've gotten a few flyers in my mailbox. Safeway, Sobeys, Save-On. But really, who cares about those? I mean, it was a start for sure, but I never got my own Canadian Tire Flyer or Future Shop, or Best Buy, even Staples Flyers, London Drugs, you name it. I had to go to my mom and dad's house for those, or steal them off your front porch. But I always felt a little uneasy about that. You see, I do actually enjoy looking through weekly flyers. Tina's family thinks I'm crazy, but I'll go through all of them. I'll even go through the Michaels flyer. When we're visiting Tina's family in Cleveland, I can't wait for Sundays. Because Sunday is the day that all the flyers show up with the local newspaper. Right? Target, Kohl's, whatever. I'll make a stack of all the unviewed ones and then I'll just systematically work my way through them. I like comparing prices, finding deals, and it's especially helpful at Christmas. Right? When you're looking to find that perfect gift, or maybe even drop a few hints. Honey, did you know that there's an angle grider at Canadian Tire for $19.99 this week? Just letting you know. I know because I got my own flyers this week. I mean, if you're asking, what can I give to the person who has everything? Just start looking through the flyers for ideas. You don't even have to leave your own house. And you're sure to find a perfect gift. But what if you're asking, 
What are some of the greatest gifts? You've come to the right place this morning. We're in an Advent series of messages called The Greatest Gifts. Last week, Pastor Ken introduced us to God's gift to the neighborhood. Of course, that ultimate gift is Jesus, but you and me and TCC together on mission is a gift to the neighborhoods in which we find ourselves. And Jesus is our ultimate example and motivation for going into our communities and making a difference. I, for one, can't wait until our new building is complete and we have an actual physical presence in our community. Oh, we'll still head over to the park and provide opportunities for the community to connect with us and with each other. And while we're together as a church uh, and, and, and being on mission right in our community, and each of us as individuals as well, right with the neighbors around us. Some time ago, I preached a message about being the hands and feet of Jesus in our neighborhoods, and one of the things I suggested that Jesus would probably do was throw a really good block party. Well, to my embarrassment, shame, and condemnation, if that's not too heavy, I haven't done that yet myself. But I heard a great story of Cameron and Tennille Bennett this past summer organizing a block party on their street. They went all out, they talked to a couple of neighbors, they got them on board, and together they planned this block party. They went to the city and they got all the the needed signatures to be able to close down the street. They went to, I think, some of the grocery stores and had things donated, and they just had this great community get-together right on their street. And uh, someday, um, beyond what I just said, I'm sure that uh, Cam and Tennille will want to share with that just got a note from her uh, yesterday that said, today they're getting together with some neighbors and some friends and they're going to just go out caroling and then everybody's welcome to come back to their place for hot chocolate and, uh, and cookies. And, um, you know, just, and they're actually going to decorate a tree in the community. Like, what a great idea. Just, this is our neighborhood. Let's, let's get together and celebrate um, what it is. That's awesome. I love that. And we need to do that too. But Advent is an opportunity each year for us to be able to reflect on the profound mystery. God coming to earth. Human form. Theologians call it the incarnation. And in so many ways it is so beyond us. But understanding the essence of the incarnation. Jesus becoming fully man while still remaining fully God becomes not only our, our, our motivation for being on mission, as we heard last week, but he becomes our model for loving well, our, our model for giving ourselves. Jesus is our motivation. So now, if you're thinking, you know, for Christmas, I am going to give the gift of myself. You really need to stay tuned. Because... If you show up on Christmas morning and you say, you know, honey, I didn't actually get you a gift because I learned at church that one of the greatest gifts we can give each other is ourselves. And so that's my gift to you, you lucky girl, you. (laughs) That's probably not going to cut it. But at the same time, following Jesus' example of how to love well will make a difference in every one of our relationships. And this passage in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11 is, is an amazing passage. And it's probably somewhat familiar too, and for good reason. 
we find ourselves traveling to these verses often. Because this is one of the greatest passages in the Bible on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul takes this truth and applies it in the context of the church at Philippi. And in the first verses of chapter 2, Paul is concerned that the Philippians would experience genuine unity. And he says that the key to that unity is humility. Verses 3 and 4 again. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And Paul is urging the church in Philippi to be humble, unselfish, and concerned for the well-being of others. And so he focuses their attention on the humility of the Son of God. And he says in verse 5, Your attitude now should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And in verse 8, we read that he humbled himself. And the point is, that they too should humble themselves, that they should think of other for others first and, and not just be looking out for themselves. And by and large, that is our culture. It's said that it's a dog-eat-dog world. To get ahead, we need to push others aside or use them to our advantage. But again, we see that Jesus and his teaching is countercultural. See, our model... And our motivation is Jesus. And this isn't something that we can do on our own strength. We have to depend on the enabling of the Holy Spirit. As Scott shared with us, it was God that was opening and closing doors for him. And as he trusted him and his leading, he just felt like the doors opened for him. We depend on the enabling of the Holy Spirit as well. Because further on in verse 13 we read, it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So this is a gift from God. And when we give ourselves to God and to others, it pleases Him. And He works miracles in our lives and in the lives of others. Jesus is our motivation for giving ourselves. And we can learn how to give ourselves by looking at how Jesus gave Himself. And so this morning, I want to look at the incarnation. Jesus entering into our world, being fully human and yet remaining fully God, as being our model for how to love well and to give of ourselves. Excuse me. So three components of loving well. I'll just give them to you and then we'll go through them in a little more detail. First of all, entering into another's world. Entering into another's world. Secondly, holding on to yourself. And thirdly, hanging between two worlds. Let's unpack this a little bit. These are three components of giving ourselves, of loving well. And we need all three. And all three, while they're distinct, they they happen simultaneously. So first of all, entering another's world. In verses 6 and 7, Jesus left heaven and entered world is what we learn. Paul says there that Jesus, who being in very nature God, he's talking about who he was as a being. He was already in the very nature God before he came into this world. He was always God. John's gospel starts, 
In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so this Jesus, who being in the very nature God, who was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he didn't cling to it. He he didn't grasp all of the power and the privilege that was his as God. He let it go and released it. He, He deliberately emptied himself. He voluntarily set it aside. In 451 AD, the Council of Chalcedon issued this statement. Not an explanation so much, but a declaration. It said this, Our Lord is truly God and truly man. Not parted or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son, the only begotten, God, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is eternally, truly, and totally and completely God. And yet he entered our world and he became one of us. John says, the word, that is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or, as the message puts it, as Pastor Ken shared with us last week, the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians in chapter in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter eight and verse nine, says, "Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich." In other words, he had all of the riches, all of the comforts, everything of heaven. He was rich, and yet for our sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. That, that we would inherit all of the, the goodness and riches of Christ. And we so often hear in the Christmas story that Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. But he gave of himself. He entered our world. Emmanuel, God with us. What a great and amazing truth for us to think about this morning. All of the you see, to some degree, we all have power and privilege. We have influence. We have control. But the question really becomes, what are we doing with it? Do we cling to that? Do we grasp it? Do we chase after it, pushing others aside? Or do we let go of that power and privilege that we have and enter another person's world in order to love well? Perhaps we have money, but how does that affect us? Can we associate with those that have less? And what do we do with the financial resources that God has blessed us with? Maybe we have education. Does it cause us to to look down on those that are less educated? Are we able, even with our own skill and intellect, to enter into another's world? One of my favorite movies from a long time ago. And the danger, of course, in referring to a movie from a long time ago is, how old is he really? And then the second danger is, because I haven't watched it lately, I may completely mess this up. But it was a movie called The Doctor. Anybody remember this? Okay, I see a couple of hands. 
That's really good. So I can tell you whatever, and you'll never know unless you go and watch it. But it is a good movie. Because here's this doctor, pompous, arrogant, okay? Very uncompassionate with his own patients and just the way he treated them in the kind of early part of the movie. Until one day, he's diagnosed with cancer. And the whole movie is this, is this biography, really, of this doctor who goes from being just completely you know, incapable of empathizing and showing any compassion, even to his own patients, completely changes his whole life. And I remember this one part in the movie where he's, he's teaching other students about this. And he goes and he grabs all these gowns. You know the hospital gowns, right? Nobody, there's, you know, there's no self-respecting person that would wear those. There's just like, you know, and he just tosses them at all of his students. They're like, what this? He's put them on. They're spending the night. And they're, and they're all like, protest. Well, we got plans. We got plans. You know, I got this to do. He goes, this is what happens when you get a cancer diagnosis and you need to stay in the hospital. All your plans change instantly. Your plans have just changed. And, and it was just this amazing story. What's happening there? He went from being educated and arrogant and, and kind of above everybody, including his own patients and students, to being able to empathize and enter into another person's world because of his own experience. And for all of us, it just simply means that we need to make a decision to be purposeful, to, to, to think through where we might choose to empty ourselves for the sake of someone else. Intentionally going somewhere, it might involve doing that. Maybe moving physically somewhere else. Somebody who has a deep compassion for, for the needs of the inner city might say, you know what, I can't explain it, but I need to go there to enter into that world and physically live there. This is what missionaries do all the time. They have a, a burden for a people group or a certain aspect of missions, and they say, I need to go there. And they place themselves into that other world and really choosing to let go of their power and privilege and comforts that go along with it. You see, this is very practical. This is about the day-to-day -day life that we live, where we start thinking as we approach the day where we enter into another person's world. Right? Where we think of new immigrants, perhaps, to our country, or seniors. I suspect that we don't have to go very far up and down our streets to, to find people that come from other countries or are in the later stages of life. They live all around us and they all have deep needs. They all drive on our streets, right? And sometimes we get frustrated. Not, well, not we, I get frustrated, okay? And just the other night, it was so ironic. I'm thinking about this, and we come up behind a car, and I'd never seen this before, and there's a big sign in the back window that says, Keep Distance. And you know what I thought? Oh, great. If all the cars to get behind, you know, probably some senior that has forgotten how to drive, and, you know, all this stuff goes through your head. But it didn't take very long, and it just struck me, and I went, Why do they have that sign? because it makes them nervous when somebody's right on their tail. Bugs me when somebody's right on my tail. And so a senior with, with all of the fear and recognizing the world is changing around them and everybody's driving fast and, and they're feeling this fear and anxiety and yet we, you know, just zoom, 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 right? Um, 
Colin McCartney. He was a director of Urban Promise in Toronto. I heard him speak one time, and he told a story of a surfing accident that he had. And he was temporarily paralyzed, but he had gone through this, had to go through a long period of, of rehab. And one time he found himself as a young man in Walmart with a walker, walking around. And he suddenly realized the fear that people, seniors have, that if they're in, maybe in a wheelchair or with their own walker and everybody else is pushing carts and trying to get around them because you're slowing them down. And, and he, just, he just spoke about this very issue of how we need to be able to enter into another person's world. And at times it's so hard for us and it's easy to miss because we do just tend to run right by. Single moms trying to make ends meet or trying to provide for their kids or parents with teenagers dealing with all the challenges that that may bring. You see, this may be as simple when we enter into another person's world, this may be as simple as someone cutting you off in traffic and for a change not getting upset about it. But stopping and entering into the world. Maybe they were distracted. Maybe they honestly just didn't see you. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe there's something serious going on. Maybe they're rushing to a hospital. We have no idea. But if we can just step back and try to enter into their world and try to understand what they might be going through, it helps us to love well and to give of ourselves. So it's just pausing before we react, entering their world, letting go of all of the privileges that we might have. This may be as simple as choosing to listen. David Augsburger said, Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they are almost indistinguishable. And I've had this long test of how well do you listen. I'm not going to do it, but if you're interested in it, just email me and I'll send it to you. Not a long list. There's 15 questions. And you just say true or false. And I suspect if you answered it yourself and then had a friend or a spouse answer it, it might be very different. But a little test on how well do we listen would be helpful for us, right? But when we're entering into another person's world, if we're always trying to think about others, right? That's what he said. Do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. Think of others first. Consider others better than yourselves. He says each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so we have to recognize that we have limits. We can't sort of enter everybody's world. I can't help everybody. And we do need time. We're, because helping and caring for people, especially in, in certain situations where you can just get totally wasted and run down and burnt out yourself, and you need to rest. That's what Jesus did. And so this verse is important for us to understand that it's not just thinking of others, right? Do you hear how he said it? He goes, each of you should look not only to your own interests. So it's okay to look for your own interests. And what I would say to this is the second aspect that I mentioned earlier. It's holding on to yourself. So it's not just entering into another person's world. It's holding on to yourself. Jesus came into our world fully human, and yet he held on to himself as fully God. He did not cease to be God. He didn't stop being himself. He continued to be faithful to himself as God. He emptied himself, yes, but he, he still held on to himself. He, he became what he'd never been before without ever ceasing to be what he had always been. And yet, if you read the Gospels and read about Jesus, everyone had a plan for him. The demands on him were great. From his own family, the crowds, 
the disciples, even the religious leaders. And yet, while entering into our world, he was able to hold on to himself as God and was faithful to what the Father had for him. It was a very unique life and calling on his life. And there's a tension here that when you're entering someone's life, but you're still holding on to yourself, and it can be a, a really great struggle. Because you know, if you're in a situation where you're providing care for somebody, that you enter into their world, you're trying to understand and you're doing what you can for them, but you can go too far. And that becomes the total focus of, uh, of our lives. You see, God does not call us to lose ourselves in some way, in an unhealthy way, as we enter into another's world. And if we're going to hang on to ourselves, we have to take responsibility for our own life. What is it that I need or want or think or feel or desire? Because otherwise, you know what happens? You'll do what everybody else needs and wants and thinks and feels and desires. And if you focus too much on them you lose yourself in the process. And then in the end, you can't love them well. Because our whole agenda then becomes to please them, to make them happy. And Jesus didn't make everybody happy. He didn't appease people. And there was conflict at times. I've shared with you before, I think, that there's this struggle that I at times face, that I, because I, I would define myself as a recovering people pleaser. Right? Because I, I, I realize what it's like to spend so much time doing stuff for others and then recognizing, stopping, stepping back and going, why am I doing this? And is it out of a motivation to love well or is it out of a desire for them to like me more? And I know that some of you know what I speak of. Because if you're a people pleaser, you will find it, uh, probably find entering into another person's world fairly easily. You can spot needs and you want to meet, meet those. But it will likely come at the expense of yourself and your family. Because you'll come to a place where you, you'll neglect your own needs and your own need for care and neglect your own family and their needs. And that's why this second piece is so important. We hang on to ourselves in the process. Because if I don't, you know, what would happen? Let me just illustrate this for you, what, I, what I'm getting at here. Let's say, guys, you have a, a co-worker at work, and you know he's in trouble at home, and things aren't going well, and he hasn't been able to pay the bills, and there's some stuff going on, but you're not really sure, and you just say, you know what, you can come live with us. But you've never checked with your spouse. Right? And he lives there for six months. Another person to feed and care for. And it's a mess. And the spouse is upset, right? She's ready to leave. Let's, you, know, you know the ultimatum, how it goes, right? Either he goes or I go. Because you've gone too far. And the kids don't see you. And then finally when the dust settles, you realize, that, you know what, that's the last guy I ever help. Because I did that once, and look what it got me. I was burned in the process. Well, no, you weren't burned. You just went too far. There was probably legitimate needs there and ways that you could have helped them without inviting them to live with you and your family indefinitely. Maybe that's what he needs. Maybe your spouse agrees to that. Different story. But we have to be careful to not cross the line when we're helping people as well. 
because we can't be everywhere. And that's what I see sometimes. In our desire and to enter into another person's world and help, we, we don't hang on to ourselves and we go too far. But Jesus held on to himself and he loved people in the process to the point of dying on the cross because of the needs that the world had. And so you enter into another person's world and you don't let go of yourself, but you're now hanging between these two worlds. In verse 8, Jesus said, And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He paid the price for our disobedience. And to do so, he had to become obedient to his Father's will and plan. And in essence, he's kind of hanging between us and heaven, and he's hanging between these two worlds. And it's just a reminder to us that we can't love well without sacrificing. Giving ourselves hurts. It will cost us something. It will cost us comfort and convenience. It might cost us money and time. And we know that love hurts because we can be misunderstood and unappreciated and judged and disappointed and all of those things. Because you know what? When you love people, you can't force them to change. And that's often the killer, right? And so when we're hanging between these two worlds, it's waiting, it's respecting, it's trusting. Ever tried to get into your parents' world? Understand some of their history and why they made some of the choices they did that perhaps hurt you so much. But when you find out about their parents and their history and the things that happened to them and you enter into their world and you realize, oh, no wonder they made that awful decision that hurt me so much. No wonder they made those family decisions that did so much damage. This entering into another's world and hanging on to our, holding on to ourselves and then hanging between these two worlds is really even the essence of marriage, right? Where we enter into our spouse's world and we realize that they see life so differently. And we, we struggle at times with trying to understand them and it's different and that there can be tension and conflict at times. And it can be hard. But there is good news. Because in verse 9... We read that, therefore. In other words, Jesus did all of this and then God did this. What did he do? It says that God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus didn't cling to power and privilege, but God gave it to him. Because now he was given the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we use the incarnation, Jesus becoming fully man while remaining fully God, as our model to loving well and giving of ourselves... God will do things in our lives that we never expected. And when you think of the divine order of the universe, Jesus turns everything upside down. Because the way up is down, and the way to find your life is to lose it. The way to life is death. The, the way to win the praise of God is to serve and die for people. The way to receive is to give. The way to greatness is to humble yourself. And the way to be first is to be last. 
And Jesus, in essence, says, this is how my kingdom works. It's the opposite of the world. In fact, it's a scandal to the world. And it seems like it's powerless. But this is the way of life. And in this way of life, there's freedom. And there's life. And there's joy. And there's peace. And there is no other way except that we die to ourselves. And we enter into other people's worlds. But we hold on to ourselves. And we live with this tension that exists. And so one of the greatest gifts we can give is each other. Is giving of ourselves. Paul wrote later, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Just set the model again. What did Jesus do? How do we love? Seek to understand, enter their worlds, live with this tension while seeking to understand who you are.